everyone, and welcome to the Sanya Faruqi Show. Today, we have somebody joining us who has been working on women's rights in Yemen, Kokob Al-Taibani. She's a women's rights activist who works on women issues and peace in Yemen. She is the co-founder and former director of Women for Yemen, a network of women activists in media, human rights, and civil society who advocate for women in peace and security in Yemen. She serves on the advisory board of the Yemeni Archive, an independent platform for documenting human rights and other violations by parties to the conflict in Yemen. Her aim as a communications professional, researcher, and journalist is to empower the visibility of voice of women, especially at the grassroots level. In 2019, she was recognized as one of TRT's Women of the War to highlight the significance of women's role in peace. Thank you so much, Kokab. It is wonderful to have you on the Sanya Faruqi show today. Okay, and also it's my pleasure and thank you so much for the nice introduction. You're most welcome. So um, Kokab, I'm going to start by asking you, According to a report by Amnesty International, Yemen is considered to be one of the worst places in the world to be a woman. What are the different types of violence women are subjected to? Um, I believe that women are facing the worst kind of violations because um, in addition to war, Yemeni women are already having their own package of, of discrimination. So now with the war, they carry, they are facing multiple layers of violation, structural and social and political and so on. So for example, now women are uh, carrying the burden of uh, the family, they're facing uh, challenges, and also at the same time, they're still facing discrimination, they're still facing uh, incidents of um, uh, gender domestic abuse, and you see the many cases that have been um, um, uh, out in the press. So it's kind of, so um, the violation, I believe uh, Yemeni women are the most affected group by the war, and also because first, there are normally as citizens they're affected, but also because they are already having a past package uh, of discrimination. So what made you start Women for Yemen Network? Can you tell us a little about that? I, um, I believe that peace can happen in Yemen. And I believe that women have a great role in doing this. And because they are affected and there are, uh, we say this in the peace language, they're the stakeholder of peace because there are many, uh, there are stakeholders of war, Yemeni women are one of the groups that really want peace and they're affected by war. So they will be keen to stop the war. And also they know how to stop it. And also uh, statistics show that 35% increase in sustainable peace when women are included in peace negotiations. So women are discriminated politically, socially, in all levels, from the grassroots to the decision makers. So I believe that's what drive me to uh, to found Women for Yemen Network. And I believe with my colleagues, we will have this passion. In addition, I believe it's, um, it is, it is, it's where I feel like I can uh, voice my uh, you know, just I don't want to be a negative force in society. I want to participate. So with the network, I'm able to do that. And I'm able to uh, connect women and I, um, to speak up. And we, we, we have kind of solidarity and we're able to uh, flag up the most important issues. And I believe we were able to, to do this to, the, to a uh, big extent. Yeah. Can you give us a few examples of uh, the kind of work that you've done at the ground, you know, at the grass level? What, you know, 
who are the women who are involved? What kind of volunteer work are they doing? How safe is it for women to do that kind of work? Um, it's enough to say that we participate in many uh, campaigns to stop some gender abuse uh, cases. Uh, I We have volunteered with many women on the ground to do this. We have we are now pushing for to support, uh, to criminalize gender domestic abuse. Um, we have like with some colleagues on the ground who were able to uh, to do many activities to uh, um, to raise awareness about uh, gender abuse and also this is from uh, if we talk about uh, grassroots level and also for the network we were able to uh, connect women on the ground to the decision makers we were able to serve as a channel to show how women should can support work and also we have been able to raise important issues that usually has been like ignored by the uh, you know um, let's say the negotiators if we would like to say and also we've been able to support and keep many topics alive like women's political participation that it should be uh, secured and also we were able to uh, support uh, women's uh, activists and women who are working in peace. We keep saying and if you uh, see the statements we have published, how we approach uh, decision makers, how we have been, we have done like national and international advocacy campaigns, we have launched a uh, call to action and we have done uh, petitions we have with, with our colleagues. We're able even, for example, to create manuals to support women uh, inmates inside prison, inside prison, we have been able to support women to about what are the uh, challenges Yemeni women in prison are facing, and also we have been like we were uh, one of the um, Yemeni groups who have been flagging uh, the challenges Yemeni women working in peace are facing, and um, we were able to uh, feed in international reports about how these. Uh, uh, crimes and these violations could impact sustainable peace and could also uh, prevent women from doing the work they do. Yeah. And the ongoing conflict in Yemen has had, you know, a horrific impact on all civilians in general, but women and girls have been disproportionately affected. Can you tell us about the impact of the ongoing conflict? Um, it's, I briefly mentioned that women are the most affected group, but now I can tell you, like, if you start from the beginning, women are being alone with no, uh, you know, they like in a country in Yemen, they don't have the, uh, they usually are dependent on their husbands and their family male members. So they just face themselves uh, that they are alone all of a sudden and they have to turn into some negative coping uh, tactics in order to survive. And we have seen many reports how women are forced to do some kind of illegal work in order to uh, survive uh, and to support their families. If um, also some women are facing huge stress to feed their family and they're facing that, when they do that, unfortunately, because of the sudden and rapid change in gender rules, because society see women as, you know, she should stay home, the sole provider of income should be men, and all of a sudden, Yemeni women are now leading domestically and financially the households. This put them into, under so much social pressure that they are taking new uh, social rules that the society is not yet prepared, even their 
partners, male partners are not prepared. So they are just facing huge domestic abuse. And there is a lot of incidents that we see now on the rise. And if you go further, you'll see women are um, similar to many citizens. They are affected by the war. Either they got killed by airstrikes or they got affected by, uh, you know, just many reports are many women are affected because uh, of landmines, because these landmines are uh, anti-personal landmines. And most of the people are affected are civilian, mostly girls and, 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 and women who are looking for water and they are fetching um, uh, f the looking for food. So, and in addition to the, uh, the to the big, let's say, feature of war, they're also uh, facing um, discrimination. And unfortunately, because of uh, the also situation of the war, even the early marriage is increasing. Domestic violence is increasing because. Even if the society is against it, some family are forced to marry off their daughters because of that. And now we're talking about the normal, uh, like I say, the citizens. If we go further to see, uh, if we go further to talk about the women who are working in civil society, either as development professional or as peace activists, they're facing life threats because of the work they do. Uh, apparently what they're doing is an intimidation to, uh, to, as we mentioned before, the war stakeholders who are keen to uh, not to keep this war ongoing. So those women are uh, facing uh, these, um, these threats on a daily basis or while they would do the work. They are facing threats to shut down their organization if they speak about these issues. Sometimes these issues are not even, uh, let's say, very like serious. They are talking about education, they're talking about health issues. And now Yemeni women, I believe there is um, the threat of changing the uh, the gender norms, or let's say they're trying to radicalize the life for Yemeni women. Uh, in the North now, they're trying to force women to have a dress code. And also they are forcing and they are uh, banning, you know, uh, contraception methods. And this is very scary. And they are just uh, and they are building on the negative gender norms to keep it, uh, to get it worse because Yemeni women have, um, there is a strong feminism, uh, feminist uh, movement inside Yemen. And what is going now, it seems not like, um, no, it's not normal. It's very systematic and it is done to change the uh, environment for Yemeni women. So what is going on to change, to keep uh, criminalized women from coexisting with men, either in schools or in public life. It is meant to intimidate them from going to the public or the political life. Um, this has been even explicitly uh, mentioned in the by the group of eminent experts that these practices are meant to intimidate women from working in, in politics. In the South from the other side, we noticed that there is also kind of systematic way to encourage um, in, um, toxic masculinity measures where these, for example, in Aiden and Thais, there is a new behavior that Yemeni society is not uh, accustomed to before. Yemeni society is conservative, but not to this extent. And Yemeni society has in the, in the past refused many uh, uh, practices to force women to uh, 
to be uh, to have a, like for example an escort or to uh, force women to have segregated places but it's still like we were able, we were trying to push for uh, even the environment the culture to be changed now this continues I'm afraid that women will be absent from the public life and uh, with the drastic change in and also the uh, let's say the ideological uh, um, driven education that has, especially in this and the north, we are afraid that um, there will be a dark future for Yemeni women in the future. Mm -hmm. We're also seeing reports of how gravely the pandemic is affecting children and women, um, you know, leaving a lot of young, um, young children malnourished. It's, it's, it's been almost a year now. Can you tell us about the situation? Um, like um, it seems like every time Yemeni women are always trying to find hope in every challenge. They always try to just to uh, create opportunities with every challenge. And I'm, I'm, I have to say, like Yemeni women are the most resilient uh, groups inside the society, and they are the one who putting together the Yemeni society. And it is mainly because of. Um, how they are trained. They're trained to be strong. They are trained to uh, be the one who put the family, which is, this is how the gender norms are, are, are typically like used in Yemen. But um, this has been like serving them in the war to be the strongest group to uh, survive. So uh, the pandemic unfortunately added another layer of challenge that Yemeni women don't need at this time. For example, the, those, um, uh, most of the uh, entrepreneur and the small businesses are run by women, according to some NGOs that we have been, I have been talking to, and they said these uh, businesses were shut down. Unfortunately, even with the pandemic, and this is something even the the globe and the UN has uh, highlighted is that there is discrimination against women. So the businesses run by women like hairdressing, they were forced to shut down while like other like barbers or like, uh, you know, these shops are run by men. They're not. So when you see, you see there's a discrimination, they think these businesses that women are running are not important, though it's very obvious that Yemeni women are now leading the financial responsibility of the family. So, and also when we see at the uh, isolation centers, uh, there is no consideration of gender sensitive environment where you know, women and girls are separated and having their own rooms that is, is suitable to them. So um, and if you, and also when the family got sick because any family member gets sick, you will see that the one who is going to take responsibility is are the women. And it's just because of the impose social norms on women that they should take the lead and they should take responsibility. So, so Yemeni women are facing now extra challenges to take care of the uh, sick members of their family. And in addition to the challenges and the uh, burdens they're facing uh, because of the war and because of their, also the society sometimes, uh, let's say, rules. Yeah, um, we recently saw the news that the Houthis in power who have issued a ban on women working in restaurants in Yemen. How has that been taken? You know, what is the situation on the ground and how are women sort of fighting back to uh, such sort of a ban that has been imposed on them? 
as I already mentioned, that it's um, it's uh, the the Houthi group in Yemen are um, intimidating women from taking any part in any uh, active part in, in in the social or the political life. So I believe Yemeni women are are, are facing a lot of threats if they want to challenge these uh, measures. And uh, there is a huge uh, resentment and huge resistance and pushback by the Yemeni feminist movement. We have been de like decrying these uh, measures and we have been actually uh, warning this from the early when we see that many Yemeni activists have been detained by the group and they have been scaring and uh, arresting and uh, using social gender, uh, they, they use the negative gender norms against women so they can, not only they face uh, oppression, but they also they face the social abandonment and uh, the social stigma to fight women. So I, I believe it's uh, um, Yemeni women activists, they're doing a great job and we should continue pushing back. We should continue uh, flagging up that these issues is 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 not luxurious issues, and um, actually we're facing not only um, the the hegemony of the Houthi group, but also we're facing the social norms that sometimes favor what they're doing as well. Yeah, and um, you know since the start of the war in Yemen in 2015, or perhaps even earlier than that, thousands of individuals, mostly men, have been imprisoned or unlawfully abducted. Can you talk a little about how women are working on locating their loved ones, what kind of work they do when it comes to, you know, being involved in um, reaching out and figuring out how to get their brothers, fathers, husbands back, or even just, you know, fight for them? Yeah, this is part of the what our... I have been involved in the network and also uh, working with other Yemeni women organization. Um, uh, the, it's one of the most famous uh, women organization or a well-known organization in Yemen called the Women Abductees Association. And uh, they are um, a group of women who are, and a group of mothers who are supporting and calling for the release of their beloved ones. And they would, I didn't mention this as part of the challenges because the challenges are endless for Yemeni women, but they're facing this at the top of their uh, of their challenges that sometimes they become alone and they only not only making sure the family is well fed, but they make sure also to take care of those who are in prison or take those who are recently mm -hmm. released. Actually, it is um, one of the things that we push as peace activists is that one of the building measures is to release those who are uh, wrongfully uh, imprisoned and abducted and mm -hmm. pushing for, um, you know, mm -hmm. um, stopping these uh, uh, measures of torturing inmates in prison. We have been um, um, pushing for ending the torture inside prisons. In most of the cases are innocent and they are uh, uh, illegally uh, abducted and detained. So it is, um, this is one of the most difficult to uh, say peace file now that Yemeni women peace activists are pushing for and they, we believe um, any good move towards this will make sure that uh, 
it will be part of the peace uh, process in the future and will make and will make uh, and will support building uh, trust in building and support to heal the uh, society fabric. What is the role of Yemeni women in the peace process? How easy or difficult is it for women to be involved in politics, secure a place with a high level delegations and be present at the negotiation table in Yemen? Um, it's it's actually as I told you it's a, um, it is unfortunately it is different layers of challenges but it's very I we I don't like you have seen that the the new government has zero presence of women and it is a precedent that no Yemeni woman is involved and all parties have their own narrative of of justifying this uh, this um, absence. But it's normal that I, 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 as someone who was like noticing the changes and the development of, of situations in Yemen, I knew we would reach this point. Uh, given the change of the uh, uh, Yemeni uh, culture towards women from one side, and the other thing, the absence of women on the grassroots. Yemeni women are absent from local council, absent from political parties. Uh, they are absent from, you know, uh, empowering, uh, empowering uh, in in terms of political training or political activism. So, and the mentality, and I, I always say that war is toxic masculine uh, face. So it will never accept women to be part of it. So it will always like uh, be with those who have this toxic mentalities, uh, uh, toxic uh, masculinity. So. Unfortunately, the world will not give women space. That's why, because women are peace agents. Though, I believe one of the challenges also is the existence of war and the lack of desire of the uh, of the negotiators to include women. Yeah, and what about the international intervention? Whether it is humanitarian, whether it's political negotiation, even the recent move by U.S. President Biden to revoke U.S. support for Saudi-led conflict in Yemen, how does that impact the everyday lives of people in Yemen? How much are you counting on that? Um, actually, uh, as a Yemeni woman working, uh, I'm talking on. Uh, about the concerns that we as women working in peace were talking. Actually, the the intervention of the international uh, organization or humanitarian organization are not locally driven. It is always like either regionally or internationally based interest. So even with the best in with the best intervention from Europe or the U.S. or other uh, you know uh, democratic countries, their intervention seems to lack this understanding. Seem to lack uh, sustainable uh, peace uh, dynamics. What they care about is their interest. As you see, like now, uh, Trump has imposed uh, was trying to impose some restriction or to designate Houthis as terrorist group without regard to the humanitarian aspect. And Biden is now lifting the um, the restriction uh, with no pressure on on the group to to minimize their uh, act. So both sides have been, if you notice, they are doing this without no deep understanding of the Yemeni uh, dynamics uh, of conflict. Hum international organizations are always. Uh, I would say that, like, uh, and unfortunately, we always been accused of being, um, you know, critical or you know, just uh, skeptic. But I believe that it's colonial 
driven mentality that is, is governing the international humanitarian organizations. For so long, we have been asking them to support the organizations on the ground, to support them by the uh, the pressure that the armed and non-state actors group are imposing on, on them on the ground. And when it comes to them, they just start to, they, they decide, for example, the UN organization to stop the aid. So we don't agree with, with the cut of aid, for example, or other interventions, because we believe Yemeni people are the ones who are going to suffer as we witnessed during the past years. But also it has, there has to be a deep revisit of their approaches in Yemen, all of them. When we talk to EU diplomats, when we talk to, uh, to Western researchers, they have this colonial mentality that they feel like they know better. And, and they feel that they know the context and they think if they, um, they always have one part of, of, of the truth or say that one part of the solution, but they don't do a balanced approach. If they put a pressure on the Saudi and the Saudis, they don't push pressure on Iran and the Houthi group. And if they do this, so we, we face this on the, on the long term, And we believe like with, uh, with, we, we, uh, I personally against imposing any restriction because of human, purely humanitarian reasons. But apparently what I can tell from uh, Biden administration is that they lack also the right understanding of uh, the conflict in Yemen. And I'm, I'm, I am um, not optimistic that this is going to help the Yemeni uh, people in the future. All right. Thank you, Kokob. On that note, I'll have to wrap up because we're running out of time. Thank you so much for coming on the Sanya Faruqi show. It was truly wonderful and uh, good luck with all the work that you're doing and your next move, uh, whatever that you take up professionally. And uh, yeah, thank you again for coming on the Sanya show today. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad today that I was uh, part of your show. So that's it. That's a wrap from us. Thank you so much for watching. Those of you who've joined us, I hope that you will subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'll see you again next week.